Welcome to Your Gal Friday, a podcast about female leaders, innovators, and rule breakers. Each week, your hosts, Leah and Phoebe, will shine a spotlight on an amazing gal and talk about what we can all learn from her. Brought to you by Gal's Guide to the Galaxy. Welcome to Your Gal Friday. I am Dr. Leah Leach. And I'm Phoebe Freer. Today we are talking about a funny gal who created a cast of characters that have spanned over 50 years, not only in television, but in movies, on stage, and in books. From Ernestine to Frankie Bergstein, she's made us laugh and she made us think. Today we're talking about the life and legacy of one of the hardest working gals in show business, your gal, Lily Tomlin. Oh my gosh, yay! So as you may know, I'm pretty bad with names. Um, So when I heard the name Lily Tomlin and she was in the mix, I kind of had to look her up before I kind of knew who she was, which is kind of embarrassing because she is all over the place. Um, (laughs) She's done a lot, yes. She's done a lot. (laughs) And it turns out um, her latest work, which is a Netflix show called Grace and Frankie, is a show that I've quickly fallen in love with. And I've watched all four seasons before even considering her for this podcast. And I also grew grew up watching the magic school bus and so i squealed like a little girl when i realized that lily tomlin was the voice of miss frizzle that was like the best day ever for me (laughs) (laughs) so it turns out that lily has found multiple ways to be a part of my life throughout everything like growing up and adulthood so this is gonna be fun right <laughs> she kind of pops into your life all the time and you're all just the like time. oh there she is again oh, there she is again <laughs> and there she is again yeah i love it it's so fantastic <laughs> oh i dig it i was i was actually really excited uh that we picked lily for funny gals because when i think of lily i think of somebody who has been around uh my whole life i mean i've seen her performances evolve and i've seen her range as an actor expand but she's consistently working uh she's a touchstone really and she's a touchstone mm-hmm. for me and she's also a role model for women because she is not immortalized in that 20s and 30s you know uh perfect time period of perfect stardom we've actually gotten to grow older with her Mm -hmm. um and the amazing thing about lily even before you know i kind of dug into to research is her wide variety of characters but for me i've always felt that it's uh lily the deep kernel of all of the characters is lily um also Lily didn't have like a reinvention, you know what I mean? Like a reimagining in a new time period sort of thing. Um, She never tried to be anything she wasn't, which is ironic because we're talking about an actor. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. But at the same time, she, she seemed to pick projects that spoke to her personally and it it reflected in everything that I saw her in. I knew that it was personal um, for her Um, and she brought her own thing to it too. She brought the, she Lilyized it basically, which I always loved. (laughs) she's extremely talented and she is persistent i mean i think she's one of you know she would be in the webster's definition of persistency uh she's one of those (laughs) (laughs) 
But even though I have grown up with Lily and I, I kind of feel like she's a distant, like great aunt who I never bothered to like get to know her backstory sort of thing. Um, so I'm really glad for this time to learn more about her because seriously, for our listeners out there, learn the stories, not only of your great aunts, please do it, uh, but also the people that you admire because it really does totally. add um, appreciation and empathy and it adds to your humanity. So, you know, you can look at Lily's body of work and you can miss the genius if you're just looking at her uh, item credits sort of thing. So uh, oh, so yeah. we're going to look at her item credits, but we're also going to go behind the scenes. So it's going to be fun. Totally. <laughs> it is. Never before have I done research and... Every every bit of my research was laughter for Lily. It was so I much know, fun. Right? <laughs> like she <laughs> exactly. she you're see her in an interview and like you're laughing and you don't really understand why, just because everything she's doing is so hilarious. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Whether it's a bit, whether it's an interview, whether it's her talking mm-hmm. about her life, it's all peppered in comedy. It's so it is. lighthearted and free and fun that you just have a smile on your face. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Well, where did she start out? Well, Lily was born as Mary Jean Tomlin on September 1st in 1939. She was born in Detroit, Michigan. Her mother was Lily May, spelled L-I-L-L-I-E, and her father was Guy Tomlin. At an early age, Mary Jean actually adopted a version of her mother's name and called herself Lily, L-I-L-Y, as we all know her. And she went by that name ever since. Um, When Lily was a kid, she would observe her neighbors and mimic their characters in her first attempts at creating her own characters that she later played on television. Um, This mimicking started at a very early age, and I can only imagine it being a strange world for her because people probably looked at her funny and kind of thought it was abnormal until she was able to use those gifts in show business. Um, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, I just, I can't imagine growing up as a kid like that, or I can't imagine growing up as a kid like that, and just, you don't understand why you're able to mimic people. Like, that seems like a very odd Mm -hmm. talent, but she completely stretched it and grew it and used it to her advantage, which is admirable. Yeah, absolutely. So, according to the She Made It website, her father was a factory worker, a toolmaker, and he drank and gambled, and he often took Lily with him to the local taverns when she was very young. Um, There she would be called out to entertain the patrons with renditions of Shoe Fly Pie and other hits of the day. Her family bought their first television set when she was 10 years old, and she spent hours soaking up the antics of Lucille Ball, Jean Carroll, and other comedic pioneers. Which is understandable and completely awesome, especially since we just covered Lucille Ball in our previous episode. So if you haven't checked that out, you should go check that one out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I can totally see it, too, by the way. I love it. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, my gosh, totally. You can totally see it in everything, really. But you can see even career choices that she made kind of paralleled with Lucille Ball's, too, I feel. Right. Exactly. And the bravery, too. Totally. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. An additional inspiration to her comedy, it came from her brother. Um, His name was Richard, and she would often stay up late into the night with him, giggling and dressing up and mimicking other people who lived in their neighborhood, just like we said before. 
And after high school, Lily, who had always been fascinated with biology, enrolled in the program at Wayne State University. She said, quote, what I really wanted was to have autonomy in those years. You either had to be exceptional or be married. I never wanted to be dependent on anybody, and I was darn good at science. Not to mention the fact that her long-term partner, she wouldn't marry until later in life anyway, so she wasn't bluffing when she said that. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. Okay, so on a lark, she auditioned for a small role in the college production of The Mad Woman of Chalet, and she found herself surprised and invigorated by her own improbability. She said, quote, not only did I revel in the attention, but I also thought, gee, it would be great if I could make a living doing this. And she did just that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, she did. <laughs> so after leaving college, Lily moved to New York City and she continued doing stand up. She studied at the HB studio in Greenwich Village. Now, Greenwich in the 50s and 60s was an amazing time for stand up comedy. Richard Pryor, George Carlin, Lenny Bruce and Nichols and May were there in Greenwich at the time. Comedy was becoming this blend of character-based jokes and gradually becoming political as well. And Lily soaked all this in and she worked on creating a variety of characters. Now, her first big break was a monologue on the Merv Griffin show where she created a character that was addicted to eating anything that was made of rubber. Now, this bit... It makes you lean in, it makes you listen, and it makes you wonder where in the world she is going with this joke. And you just want to know, like, how it's going to turn out. It's a really funny bit. It's also intellectual. It's also layers deep. Kind of talks about addiction in a certain sense, but you're laughing the whole time as it's happening. So it's memorable. It's different, and Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In came calling because of it. So now Laugh-In had been going on for about almost two years when Lily joined the cast. The show embraced and made fun of hippie culture. It did not shy away from politics or innuendos at all. Lily made her debut December of 1969 with a snorting, gossipy telephone operator named Ernestine. She was an overnight sensation with people often repeating the catchphrases of is this the party to whom I'm speaking and her one ringy dingy two ringy dingies <laughs> Lily was 30 years old when she absolutely hit the big time now Lily would stay on laughing until its end in 1973 and she would create more characters like Edith Ann the five and a half year old and Mrs. Judith Beasley who was the good consumer advice advocate uh, those are just to name a few she made a lot of characters so I grew up watching laughing and SCTV on Nick at Night I highly recommend if you love comedy to watch both those shows <laughs> they're Really, That's really awesome. Good. <laughs> that is fantastic. Now I gotta say that Edith and the five and a half year old, that's pretty much the only character that I'm kinda like, eh, I don't know if I could I don't I don't know if I like this. But the rest <laughs> the the rest of Lily Tomlin, I'm just like, no, she's brilliant. Like, yeah. <laughs> there are Edith Ann goes on for it's one of those things where it takes you a while, but eventually Edith Ann will say something that will speak to your inner five and a half year old, and you're like yeah, no, I got it. And then gotcha. you just fall in love with it. So it takes a while. It's not joke, joke, joke. It's not everything is profound and glamorous. But there will be something that will connect you. And you'll be like, oh, Edith. Yeah, no, I'm five <laughs> and a half again. <laughs> That's fantastic. 
<laughs> she grew on me. <laughs> that, I love it. <laughs> Now, in 1971, Jane Wagner meets Lily Tomlin for the first time. After watching the after-school TV special JT, written by Jane Wagner, Lily invited Jane to her, to her house in L.A. to collaborate on Lily's comedy LP record album titled And That's the Truth. They've been inseparable ever since, both professionally and personally. They were slash are a dynamic duo who have collaborated together on many, many projects. They became close personally and became a couple. While their relationship was an open secret, they never made an effort to hide it. So it, it also wasn't really public knowledge for many years. Um, Lily says back in 75 that the Time magazine tried to bribe her into making a huge public coming out statement. She said, quote, I was more offended than anything that they thought we'd make a big deal, but that was 75. It would have been a hard thing to do at the time. The pair have written many successful works together, including Lily's Tony Award winning show, The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe and The Incredible Shrinking Woman and Moment to My Moment, as well as Grammy-nominated albums Modern Scream and On Stage. Lily stated later in 2008 that everybody in the industry was certainly aware of my sexuality and of Jane. In interviews, I always reference Jane and talk about Jane, but they don't always write about it. I don't have it. I couldn't find a date where they started officially becoming a couple. But it oh, was also gotcha. yeah. yeah, but it was also mentioned that some couples would say, "Oh, we're we're writing partners to cover up the fact that they mm -hmm. were personal partners." But there was a source that specifically said that wasn't the case. They legitimately worked on all of these projects together, and they were personal partners, which is really cool that they could manage to do both and for so long. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It gives partner a double meaning. Because oh, it's yeah. work partner and life partner. Absolutely. So it was one of those things where it's like they weren't hiding it or or you know, even lying or anything like that. It's just partner. Have right. it mean whatever you want it to mean because both are true. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Me too. So Lily was talented in many aspects in show business, including recording comedy albums. In 1972, Lily created her first comedy album titled This Is a Recording, and it contained telephone conversations with her character Ernestine. The album hit number 15 on Billboard Hot 200, and it remained as of 2011. It became the yeah. highest charting album ever by a solo comedian. She earned a Grammy Award that year for Best Comedy Recording. Lily's second album, and that's the truth, was nearly as successful. It featured a collection of monologues as Edith Ann. It peaked at number 41 on the chart and earned Lily another Grammy nomination. So Lily's third comedy album, 1975's Modern Scream, a parody movie, uh, a parody of movie magazines and celebrity interviews, featured her performing as multiple characters, including Ernestine, Edith Ann, Judith, and Susie. And she has been involved in a number of feminist and gay-friendly film productions, including this one. She pokes fun at straight actors who make a point of distancing themselves from their gay and lesbian characters. I think it's really cool that in media, she, was ne she has never had this big coming out or anything like that, mm -hmm. but she... I feel like, maybe this is weird to say, but I feel like she does it in the normal, subtle way 
that we all maybe should like supporting um lgbt and all that stuff like she's not like oh i'm this blah 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 she's just like no i'm going to participate in this stuff because this is my life you know right if that makes any sense this is what i do right it's for you to determine how you feel about it sort of thing yeah right yeah and i think because she's she's always kind of been herself she right. wasn't pretending to be a character. She never had to do that. Right. That's so true. Lily made her debut in drama in Robert Aldman's Nashville, for which she was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. She played Lene Reese, a straight-laced gospel-singing mother of two deaf children who has an affair with a womanizing country singer. This jump-started her career Outside of comedy. Now, the later half of the 70s were just as busy as the first half for Lily. Uh, She was on a roll. Now, I feel like I must give in full disclosure, I was born in 1977. (laughs) So when I noticed that Lily did her Edith Ann character on Sesame Street around the time that I was of Sesame Street watching age, my inner five-year-old was just delighted because... I put together that this is most likely where I first saw her and first connected with her was probably Sesame Street and then later Laugh-In on reruns. I I, I just, I love that character because it's a perfect fit for Sesame Street. (laughs) (laughs) Of an adult pretending to be a kid. And oh my gosh. So uh, Lily would then bounce from television to movies to Broadway. So in 1977, Lily did a one woman show called Appearing Nightly. And from our research, it states that she was the first solo woman to do this. And I had to look it up because you know what? Google is sometimes wrong. So I just had to look it up. But it really kind of depends on how you want to split hairs when it comes to one woman show because the year before that there was a one woman show on Broadway starring Julie Harris and it was called The Bell of Amherst and it was a historical play about Emily Dickinson with Julie playing 14 different roles but it wasn't stand up you know what I mean it wasn't uh, what Lily was doing so I I just love to be fair because you know Broadway people love their facts and statistics oh yeah (laughs) So Lily's show was billed as an evening of character comedy, and it's really closer to a stand-up show than a play, but the world really took notice, and her performance won a special Tony for Lifetime Achievement. Now, little did they know that we were going to have a lot more Lily past 1977, Oh yeah. uh, but there was a serious groundswell of love. Uh, Lily was also on the cover of Time magazine with the headline, new queen of comedy look at that (laughs) yes so lily followed up with another comedy tour and a comedy album uh to go right along with it she made an appearance on saturday night live uh and also she was a player on paul simon's special that also won an emmy but then she took on this new job a job that perhaps got her working i don't know nine to five (laughs) okay that was pretty good (laughs) 1980 was a career changing year for lily this is when she co-starred in you guessed it leah nine to five which she played a secretary named violet newsteed she co-stars with jane fonda and 
and Dolly Parton in seeking revenge on their boss, Franklin M. Hart Jr. The film was one of the year's top-grossing films. Nine to Five is a timeless musical and created lasting friendships between Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, which we will later explore and talk more about. Um, in 1981, she took a stab at science fiction comedy, starring in The Incredible Shrinking Woman, which is a fascinating concept, and also recorded a TV special. With The Incredible Shrinking Woman, I was just watching an episode of Grace and Frankie, which, again, we'll talk more about, and she has a line in it where she was saying something about, uh, oh, it's not like I can shrink right now and and um, get away from all my problems although that technology is coming we just have to wait it out <laughs> and then I was reading about the incredible shrinking woman I'm like you've got to be kidding me there it is inside <laughs> it is. reference to yep. another Lily yep. project it oh, is I love it was that. it was great it was really great <laughs> <laughs> that was the movie that uh gave me nightmares as a kid not again because not because of her performance because she shrinks down and almost gets eaten by a garbage disposal and i just it freaked me out <laughs> oh yeah totally i it would freak me out as a kid too i didn't watch it but i know if i watched it as a kid that's the type of thing that like um honey i shrunk the kids that freaked me out as a kid and i don't right, even remember exactly. why like yes. it's just like mm-hmm. ugh. <laughs> <laughs> because the things that aren't terrifying at a normal size would be right. terrifying when you're teeny tiny yeah <laughs> it would be yeah yeah <laughs> i just love the uh, reference to previous work stuff I, like i need perfect. to rewatch all of grace and frankie now and so i can catch more references and then just, oh perfect yeah. sounds like a yeah. done deal <laughs> yeah done I'm already rewatching the fourth season, so I'm oh perfect. <laughs> I like had to I had to put it on in the background of researching because I was like, this is too perfect. And then I did that, and I was like, are you kidding? Like this is great, mm-hmm. serendipitous. <laughs> oh yes. So here's something I found super cool and really fascinating. Lily was one of the first female comedians to break out in male drag with her characters in 1982. She premiered Purvis Hawkins, who is a black rhythm and blues soul singer. He has a mustache and a beard and a close-cropped afro hairstyle, dressed in a three-piece suit. She used very little, if any, skin-darkening cosmetics as part of the character, and depended on stage lighting to create the effect of darker skin. To imagine the kind of ruckus she must have or could have caused both by being one of the first female drag but also playing a dark-skinned man i mean i that is very admirable like she is very brave for coming out and doing that that. is bold (laughs) and daring but oh yeah you know what it worked for it girl yeah she did it with heart and sensitivity is why i feel like it worked for me um yeah because she just fully she was that character she and was. that's how that character needed to be per you know right and uh, there was no like look definitely and there was no mocking about it it was just like no this is this person it was like no i believe you <laughs> you know right. it's like exactly. yeah it's <laughs> very cool um i for one have a female friend who is a drag queen which is a very similar world to what lily was doing and it brings me so much joy to see the diversity and acceptance in yes cr- in these crafts um last year i actually had the chance to go to pride and see her perform and it was just really empowering to me to watch my friends do this and empower themselves. So yeah, that, absolutely. That is, it's really cool. 
And I did find a video online of Lily performing, and it is it is just so much fun watching her. I mean, she's yeah. like you said, she's very much in the character. She's very much she's just all in, and it's very yes. it's very cool to watch. Yeah. I admire Lily so much for her ability to perform in one woman shows. She literally performed on Broadway solo. No right? co-stars. She only had her own characters, and she obviously rocks it because she was in not just one, but two one-woman shows, and they went on tour for years. She starred in a Broadway show, The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe, which was written by, by her longtime life partner and writer-producer Jane Wagner. The show won her a Tony Award and she and was made into a feature film in 1991, which, yes, Lily also starred in, and that was also a one-woman show. The cast list is one person long. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now I have to go watch it because that's just incredible. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. I, I watched a whole bunch of clips from it because I haven't seen it all the way through in decades. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really interesting. It's very, I would say, Robin or Altman style later, which I'm going to talk more about. Yeah. Wee Yay. Lily revived the show for a run on Broadway in 2000, which she toured the country through mid-2002. In 1989, she won the Sarah Siddons Award for her work in Chicago theater. She wrapped up the 80s by being in the movie Big Business, which is a movie loosely based on the comedy of error by Shakespeare. Like, every decade is just packed full of so much work and... <laughs> Right, and it's variants because it's TV, it's movie, it's theater, it's tours, right. it's appearance. It's it's so many different things. Right. But they're all quite interesting. They and are. Also, they're I had all no idea that Big Business was based on Shakespeare. I did not know that, and I saw that movie. <laughs> yeah, I I love actually adaption movies. Um, I do movie, too. Yeah, I, I love adaption movies. They're they're just fascinating to me, and I I love making them. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so, yes. Well, the 90s continued suit with a, a mix of movies and TVs uh, appearances. And it started off the year with the movie version of The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life that Phoebe was talking about. Then Lily teamed up with Robert Altman for two films. So the 90s were a very daring time for independent filmmakers and independent film companies as well. They were getting huge traction and they started playing around with story structure and narrative style. Now, Robert Altman was a major contributor of the complicated storylines. Uh, what he would do is he would tell various stories, but he would tie them together with a common theme. The characters were dark, and most of the time these characters were very, very hard to love, but they had an element of truth and reality to them. Like, you you knew them. They were your neighbors. They were your relatives. Like, you, you got it. Um, so his films were uh, slightly organized chaos. That's always kind of how it felt. Um, and I always felt like the actors looked like they were just having a great time with this organized chaos. So Lily played herself in Robert Altman's The Player, and then she played a waitress in Shortcuts. Now, if you've never seen The Player or Shortcuts, the best way to describe them is if there was an actor who was working in the 90s, 
they were definitely probably almost always in one or both of these movies because I always felt like Robert Altman opened his address book and called every star he had ever met in his entire life. And they all said, yes. Uh, If somebody wasn't in one of those two movies, I always assumed that they were either already booked. They were on a different set (laughs) or Altman didn't like them. That's kind of (laughs) what I went with. (laughs) Because so many people are in both of these movies. Now, With Lily and Robert working together on Nashville, of course she was going to be in them. And she was freaking hilarious and great playing herself and playing a character that was in love with Tom Waits. And I'm always in love with Tom Waits. So I completely understood. That's fantastic. (laughs) So from Altman, Lily turned to animated television. And she teamed up with Rugrats producer Sherry Gunther. She made an Edith Ann cartoon. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Rugrats. I know. I grew up on Rugrats, too. (laughs) Okay, sorry. And it looks very much like Rugrats. It's the same style of animation, the Edith Ann special. And it's also written by Jane Wagner as well. Now, the other thing that's interesting is uh, Sherry uh, Gunther, who produced it, she also produced the early Simpsons episodes, Dexter's Laboratory, Johnny Bravo, and Family Guy. So Lily was in really good hands with her animated TV show. (laughs) Wow. Yep. But that wasn't the only animated TV show that Lily was working on at that time. She was also voicing Miss Frizzle in the Magic Yay! School Bus series. Miss yes. Frizzle, she's my she she's my hero. She's exactly. she's like my yeah. She's my hero. She's um other than my real teacher, Miss Frizzle's my favorite teacher. There you go. I like that. <laughs> I love it. The Magic School Bus series was based on the successful Scholastic Book series, and Broadcasting and Cable Magazine said that the show was, quote, among the highest rated PBS shows for school-aged children. So the show was designed for kids to learn about science in a fun way, mm-hmm. and they did. Phoebe's an example of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I... Most definitely. And fun fact, there is a character in Magic School Bus named Phoebe, and I always I was like, oh, but Phoebe's kind of like, she she's kind of a know-it-all, but she's kind of shy, but she's kind of goes with the flow. And I'm like, I'm not like her. No, I'm definitely like Phoebe. Right. But I'm also, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. But was like, <laughs> it sounds yeah. like that is your Princess Leia for me. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I'm like, oh, I rejected shoot. being a Princess Leia, but I am a Princess Leia. Oh, yeah. yeah. I rejected being Phoebe from Magic School Bus, but now I accept that that is my true identity. <laughs> it takes some time. It really yeah. does. We come around. <laughs> we do. We do. <laughs> I love it. Now, those also weren't the only TV shows that Lily was working on at that time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, she did some one-time episodes on Frasier and on Homicide Life on the Street. But her major role was being added to Murphy Brown. So when the character Miles was the Miles was the executive producer on Murphy Brown, and his 
character left the fictional TV show of uh, FYI. So Lily was cast as the new boss. So Murphy Brown was a major show. And again, she was doing this while she was doing her animated shows. It's just amazing to me. Um, But Murphy Brown was a huge influence on many women. And the show had its controversy. I mean, the peak was because one certain vice president, Dan Quayle, uh, was on the campaign trail in 1992. And he started talking about family values and he brought up Murphy Brown as an example. He said, quote, it doesn't help matters when primetime TV has Murphy Brown mocking the importance of fathers by bearing a child and calling it just another lifestyle choice. Well, the next day, he then said a different statement, so it kind of contradicted. He then said, quote, I have the highest respect for single mothers. They are true heroes. Now, there was a media storm and there was feminism and politics taking center stage all based around this TV character choosing to give birth and raising a baby alone. Now the show kind of in a very, will show you feud style incorporated the real life news story into the fictional news story as well. And the character started making fun of the then vice president. So it was this another blend of politics and character and comedy. And Lily was right in there too. It was quite amazing. So Lily just keeps on rolling with her career in acting and in movies and taking on her one man show back onto Broadway and from 2002 until 2006 she starred in the show called West Wing. Now West Wing went on for many many seasons and it starred Martin Sheen as the president and um, he later co-stars in Grace and Frankie just like Lily Tomlin. So I imagine that that's where they met and most likely right yeah yep. And they later, of course, work together. It just blows my mind how show business is all connected. And it's really fun to watch the careers of these people and how their lives twirl together. I mean, it really makes you see the humanness behind it all, if you ask me. Um, The 2000s were full of movies and TV shows, including Pink Panther 2 and Desperate Housewives. All of this for Lily. She just Mm -hmm. really would not stop. And it's really fascinating to watch it all come together and see where she is now. Yeah, absolutely. And who she's teaming back up with, too, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. But, um, Leah, what about Jane? Now, Lily and Jane, they've been together for 42 years in 2013. Um, So according to Pink News, uh, they interviewed Lily and Lily said, quote, my mother would have died literally if she had lived to see me come out. So she waited. So when Prop 8 in California was overturned, making same-sex marriage legal in California, Lily and Jane said, I do, in a private ceremony. The two then maybe on a honeymoon project. That's kind of how I like to think of it, because it was the same year they got married. Uh, They were together on a project that was a documentary, and it was called An Apology to Elephants. And both gals produced the film, Jane wrote it, and Lily narrated it. It showed on HBO and it won an Emmy. Now, the documentary showcased mankind's long history with elephants and the problem with captivity of zoos and circuses. And it's the, really heartfelt and heartbreaking at the same time. Right. And you and love I, elephants. 
oh, I love elephants. I really appreciate that they did this. I don't know that I could watch it because it's going to break right? my heart. It's going to break yeah. my heart. But I, my film company is called Elephant Trunk Films. So mm-hmm. I'm like, no, this is the best thing. It, make, it warms my heart <laughs> that they did this. I'm sorry. I don't think I can watch it because I already right. like I know what they're getting at, and I'm like, ah, oh, it already makes me feel bad. You're already <laughs> woke to the idea. You already totally. know, and you're like, right. I, yeah, love and cherish my elephant. So yes, exactly. <laughs> you're already exactly. on board. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, in it. 2014, Lily was a Kennedy Center honoree with Jane Lynch performing her famous monologue about the girl who is addicted to eating rubber. Garrison <laughs> Keeler, Kate McKinnon, Reba McIntyre, and Jane Fonda all paid tribute to Lily and her characters. It was lovely. It was heartfelt. And it was funny. That's so so now, around this time of 2014, uh, the co-creator of Friends, Marta Kaufman was having lunch with the head at Skydance Television, Marcy Ross. Just passing conversation, Marcy mentioned that both Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda were wanting to do television. Marta thought she meant together. <laughs> I mean, the two were in nine to five together, right? right? So why wouldn't you think, oh, together? Right. Well, Marcy actually meant individually. They just both happened to be looking at the same time. So Marta asked Lily and Jane if they would be interested in working together. And they said yes. Yay! So in a Hollywood Reporter interview, Marta said about the creation of the show, quote, we were searching for a way to explore aging and coming into your own at a certain point in your life. Afterwards, I was sitting in the car with Hannah K.S., my development executive, and she said, what if their husbands fall in love with each other? And that was it. We were off and running. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> so that's kind of how the show came to be, really. It's quite amazing. It's a great pitch. Like, it's it's so... It, it, it really it's is. It's such a great pitch. Like, you can do so much with that. Just from just from that. What if their husbands fell in love with each other? It's like, oh my gosh, where yep. are you going to go with this? <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, you started off with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, and it's like, I'm listening. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then it's their husbands fall in love with each other. All right, go on. All right, <laughs> you keep going. I mean? like, yes. <laughs> Tell me more. It's a perfect pitch. <laughs> it really is. But now, this, even with a brilliant pitch like that, Hollywood is weird, but it was pitched just about everywhere, but it was picked up by Netflix. And so now it's in its fourth season. The fifth season is coming next year. Um, at first, actually, uh, Jane Fonda thought it wouldn't relate to young people. The, the TV show, it's bold, it's quirky, and it's heartfelt. And there are, you know, so there are lots of moments, uh, but for some odd reason, young people have really gravitated towards it and they oh, have yeah. absolutely loved it and binged all of the episodes. Now, oh, yeah. I started watching it because we were covering Lily. <laughs> mm-hmm. I tried and, to push you, you know, to it a little bit. Exactly. Well, it's also bit. one of those things. If Phoebe's got a recommendation, um, you know, I'm in. It's one of the, all right, Phoebe says, <laughs> check it out. We're covering it for the show. I'm in. I'm. I'm absolutely loving it. I think I'm on, I think I'm on season three is where I'm at. I've had a very busy May, Uh, but I'm loving it. And you know what? Maybe for me, because Marta's name is on it, and I just finished watching, rewatching Friends with oh, my yeah. youngest daughter. I've watched Friends like four times through right. now. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
that one is also fun to binge. But oh, I, yeah. when I watch Grace and Frankie, I can't help but see elements of Monica and Rachel in Grace. And then I see Phoebe Buffet in Frankie. Oh, it's one yeah. of those things where I imagine this alternative universe where this is the Friends gals in their 70s. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and I love it more because it's that like is Friends so sweet. is continuing and it's that same feel, but it's a different storyline. So, yeah. yes. But but oh you gosh. have been watching this, you know, pretty much from the beginning. And you've also watched all of it as well. Oh, yes. I've watched all of it. Um, I started watching Grace and Frankie about eight months ago. And like Leah said, their husbands fall in love. They each have two children, right? Right. Each of the couple. Yep. So there's four four kids total. And I just fell in love with the show. I binged it like crazy. And then by the time the fourth season came out, I was ready for it. And I just kept watching all the way through it i was like this is the best it's so great um i found it fascinating um like you said leah that they didn't think it would relate to younger people and in fact when i first started watching it i thought really long and hard as to why i did relate so much and why i loved watching these older couples who I supposedly had nothing in common with because they're so much older than me and of a diff- different generation. But they're at a different the- stage in their life too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but I, but I love it to the point of I feel like they're part of my own family. So I wanted to explore why I felt that way. I, I thought maybe the writers thought about our generation too, or my generation mm-hmm. too, potentially. Because you see Grace and Frankie, they all have four kids. They're all in their late 20s and early 30s, which makes them more relatable to me. But having them mix in the older generation, um, it shows that life can be complicated, twisted, fun, and in all stages of life, it can be all of these things. So I I have their kids that I can relate to in my own personal life, but I have Grace and Frankie who I can relate to in my almost my spirit on a spiritual level on a like on completely different levels that has nothing to do with your age but everything to do with I just want to be a person I want to learn from you I want to Mm -hmm. understand that it's okay to be myself like all these things the a big part of Grace and Frankie is they recognize that they're getting older and they deal with it in their own ways and they're right. old enough. They're old enough and in a part of their life where they're not trying to prove themselves to other people anymore. Like people my age are, we're just right. constantly trying to prove ourselves. Whereas Grace and Frankie are fighting hard to keep a hold of themselves, which I feel my generation needs to learn more from because proving yourself, you only have to prove yourself to yourself at the right. end of the day. Absolutely. Well said. Yes. You yes. know? Um, so I feel like Grace and Frankie really, really helps my generation with um, doing that, I guess, and being themselves and being okay with themselves and see themselves growing older gracefully. Like, or right. not gracefully. Exactly. It does, like, you do and it, it your own matter, way. It doesn't matter, right? Exactly. Yeah, yes. Exactly. <laughs> There's <a> for everyone. <laughs> Exactly. And it's just, it's beautiful. It's a great, it's just, it's really great. It really feels like 
it, it feels like coming home, really. You're, you have your own little family that you come home to that you watch on television. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I. It was one of those things where it's like when I read um, that they weren't sure if it was going to work for the younger generation and a lot of the younger generation is watching Netflix. I was like, yeah, okay, but you're believing the stereotype that nobody watches older women. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. When I, when I think of it, I think of when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Star Wars. I was a kid and I was watching people go on an adventure. And the idea was I can watch them go on an adventure so that I am prepared for my own adventure. Totally. I can watch two older women in their retirement years start a brand new business to get me ready for my older years of who knows, maybe starting another business. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. It's the same thing. So whether you're, you know, whether you're a five-year-old kid and you're watching 20, 30-year-olds have an adventure or whether you're 20, 30-year-olds and you're watching a 70-year-old have adventures. Yeah. It's universal. It's so true. I love it. It's so true. (laughs) I should say not surprisingly. Mm-hmm. That both Lily and Jane were nominated for Emmys. Oh yeah, they deserve <laughs> it. And they're so good. <laughs> they're I so think they're good. so good. I think it's a no-brainer, but at the same time, nothing is guaranteed. <laughs> right. So well, there's that. Now, also, both of the gals have been politically active their entire adult lives. Now, Lily and Jane actually held a rally against Wells Fargo in Los Angeles in support of Standing Rock. They were also both at the Women's March in Los Angeles with I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar, Helen Reddy. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. I I also right? (laughs) There was a TED Talk that I saw with both of the ladies, and they took the time to take their TED Talk to talk about fossil fuels and all this stuff that they felt passionate about. And I was like, wow, they are killing it. It's really cool. It's like, oh, well... Okay, I guess I need to get off my butt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? They're on it, and oh boy, I've got some work to do. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. Now, uh, if you're not aware, because Phoebe and I are very aware of this, Hollywood right. has this weird way of recycling material. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So now, sometimes this works, and uh, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, well, there are rumors of a nine to five remake happening, and the original gals of Dolly and. Jane and Lily make it an appearance in the remake. Murphy Brown is being rebooted and it actually has a fall release date on CBS. It has the original cast and that would be the original starting cast because Lily was a replacement. So no word on Lily yet, but you know what? Yeah, she'll probably show up. Yeah, probably. <laughs> if the timing's right, uh, I think that would be really, really cool. But last year, Netflix launched the Magic School Bus Rides Again Woo-hoo! and it has Lily as the voice of Miss Frizzle. She's now... Professor Frizzle, and she passes the bus keys to her younger sister, Fiona, and Fiona is voiced by Kate McKinnon, who I adore. That's fantastic. And her name's Fiona. We both have the same nickname, Fee. Look at that. I love it. (laughs) Oh, too wonderful. Uh, so now the the show actually has uh, amazing voice sounds, the reboot of Magic School Bus. It has Catherine O'Hara, Martin Short, Nathan Fillion. But I will admit that I freaked out a little bit when I saw that real life astronaut and doctor Mae Jemsen plays a character on the Space Mission episode. Oh my gosh, that's so I great. was so happy. 
Yes, because I talk about her in school presentations. Right. And we talked about her on the Bessie Coleman episode. We did. <laughs> so, yes. So, woohoo. So, I keep going, keep doing awesome things, Netflix, with the Magic School Bus. I love it. Oh, yeah. Um, so, in 2017, Lily was honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Screen Actors Guild. She gave a very funny but insightful speech uh, after seeing her retrospective of her career. And she even said after seeing that, she wished she had done more. How? This is coming How? from... I know, right? <laughs> this is coming from a gal who, when we look at her performances, it spans 53 years and there is barely... Barely a break in a release, in a tour, in an appearance, and she wishes she did more. That's right? crazy. That is crazy. I know. That's that's a special kind of person. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is. That's what me and my mom call an overachiever, but in all the best ways. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. She likes to work. She gets a I thrill out of it. She she you know she gives and she gets back from it. You know what I mean. So you mm-hmm. want to keep that going. Um, so in the in the uh, Screen Actors Guild Lifetime Achievement Award, she gave out five wonderful pieces of advice to young people. Uh, and because we're all about life lessons and legacy, I thought I would share these five. Oh, totally. uh, the first one is, don't leave your house when you're drunk. <laughs> Fair. The second one is, don't be anxious about missing an opportunity. Behind every failure is an opportunity that someone wishes they would have missed. Aww. Number three <laughs> is beware of any enterprise that requires new clothing. Now, I, th- I thought that one was quite deep because you kind of really you have to take a minute and really think about it. Because if you have to get new clothing, maybe you're pretending to be somebody you're not. Ooh. See? Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Ooh. You got to think about that one. That one's deep. State. Number four, live your life so that when you are being honored for your achievements, the people called upon to make auditory remarks can feel reasonably honest about their comments. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. <laughs> Oh my god! So true. So true. Yeah, very uh, true. Yeah. And number five, thank the people whose shoulders you stand on. And Lily thanked Jane because she said that is where she stands the tallest. Aww, and I thought so that was sweet. beautiful. Isn't that Aww. sweet? <laughs> I love a good love story. I am a sucker. Yes, exactly. Oh, so I thought that was a good way to segue into what legacy do we think Lily is building or thinking about leaving behind because she is still rocking it. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's still rocking it. Oh, yeah. So like Miss Frizzle would say, take chances, make mistakes, and get messy. I, <laughs> I like it. love that. That has yeah. been my life motto since I was a kid, and it's not changed, and it's really It's cool. a good one. It's it's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, legacy. It it feels like she wants to leave so much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she she's so full of life and character. I feel like she just wants to give all she's got to the world basically. I I feel like she's really an advocate not just for human rights and stuff, but for truth, for the truth in people, right. for truth in the way we live and the way you are and I feel like in a way that could be part of her legacy, but it's hard to pinpoint what, you know, what I think she would want to leave behind. I feel like she just wants to leave behind so much love and so much of her talent and support and 
characters. She has these characters that need to live on past her. So oh, yeah. I I really think that. And she it's really cool that she has um taken an interest in kids and in the younger generation and, and to leave behind quotes like take chances, make mistakes, and get messy. Like I really think that just mm-hmm. sums it up. Like anything you see of Lily Tomlin, that's not just Miss Frizzle, that's every character that she creates. So I think yeah. if you were to put it in one sentence, that's the sentence I would choose. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so oh gosh. So I was thinking about it too, because it I it's you know what the legacy question is always hard. It's harder oh, yeah. when they're still with us because oh, they're yeah, not totally. done. They're not they're done. Still, you know, they're still thinking about like what haven't I done? What haven't I left behind? What knowledge haven't I passed on? So you know what I mean. So it's always more difficult. But I'm just I'm gonna go with my gut and say uh, with the amount of work that she's done and the amount of work she is still doing at this moment, I think there's gonna be far more Lily. So um, I'm eager for it. She may be in her 70s, but she is still showing us how to build a legacy. And I think that's great. Um, I did start to think, how important is legacy to her? Um, I feel like maybe the work is more important. Um, You know, a kind of do the work and let the historians figure it out later. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm going to throw spaghetti at the wall. I'm going to do the things um, that, you know, I'm interested in. So she knows why she picked a project. Um, She didn't have to prove it to anybody but herself. Um, And she was a trailblazer and she is a touchstone and we're very lucky to have her, you know what I mean? Absolutely. To grow old with her and to see her try things and, you know, to continue that. Um, at the Kennedy Center Honors, Jane Lynch and Kate McKinnon both gave props to Lily for being their quintessential role model. And they both talked about how they tried to mimic Lily Tomlin when they were younger. So Aww. there's one for certain legacy is we probably wouldn't have Jane Lynch and Kate McKinnon without Lily. So That's so sweet. <laughs> Yes. So what did you learn from Lily? I learned to take chances. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like take those chances. <laughs> take those chances. Honestly, like it it seems silly, but like it even though I I love Grace and Frankie, I love everything that Lily's done that I've seen. It's it comes back to like I don't remember every episode of Magic School Bus. But what I do remember is Miss Frizzle giving everybody ambition and gumption to go for it. And right. I feel like I carry that with me every day. And it was just instilled into me as a yeah. kid, you know, take chances, get uh, make mistakes and get messy. Like, I am terrified of making mistakes. But Miss Frizzle says, go, go. Do it's it. okay. You'll, right. you'll learn mm-hmm. from it. It's all right. <laughs> so that's what I learned from Lily. Because I feel like... That is just what she was trying to teach me as a kid and what she succeeded right. in teaching me as a kid. That's what and stuck. That's what got to your DNA. Exactly. Of you. yeah. And it's part of me. It is, it's been part of me for a long time. So it's like that. That's what stuck. <laughs> right. Oh. Love it. <laughs> so honestly, here's what I got uh, from Lily. And it's really kind of more today's Lily, you know, it's right. uh, that old adage of grow old gracefully. Yeah. Forget that. 
Don't worry about it. Just grow old. Keep doing your own thing. Uh, Not all of us get the privilege of growing old or the ability to keep working at the thing we love to do. So just enjoy it. You know what I mean? Uh, Lily simply doesn't have that thing that some women have when they get older. They start to get smaller. They start to worry about their looks. They start to worry about being an older woman and that they need to kind of shrink away. So, um, you know, you basically take yourself out of the game when you start to worry about that. And Lily stays in the game. She has always stayed in the game. She works hard. She listens deeply. And she sees the world as it is. And she doesn't apologize for it. And she doesn't apologize for it because she doesn't have to. She accepts it as it is. Uh, She's always been unapologetically herself. And she also embraces people for who they are, not who they think they are or who they should be. She straight sees you and embraces you. Um, She also pushes you to think deep. She really does. And it sneaks up on you. It's kind of like, oh, man, Lily, I didn't expect you to make me to think right now, but I'm really thinking now. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And she gets you to listen clearer, Um, you know, to take the time to really listen to a character and try to find the truth in them. And you learn from these complex characters that she's created. And I think she does this because she wants to show us that we're all in this together. And I would have to say, and that's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Well, that wraps it up for us next week. We continue, Funny Gals, with the most amazing comeback stories. It is so incredible that you might not even remember that in our lifetime, there was a time we almost lost Ellen DeGeneres. So in the meantime, we leave you with this quote from Lily Tomlin. Don't be afraid of missed opportunities. Behind every failure is an opportunity somebody wishes they had missed. For more information about this week's gal or to check out our previous episodes, visit galsguide.org. To support the show, visit the Gals Guide Patreon page. We love our patrons and offer exclusive perks and behind-the-scenes access for as little as $1 a month. Thank you so much for subscribing to Your Gal Friday.